Have you ever wondered what a shelf sounds like? How about a lamp? Well, it might just be louder and better than you think. The new Wi-Fi enabled Symphonix speaker range from IKEA and Sonos is here. So now you can find out for yourself. Shop in store or at ikea.co.uk and fill your home with feeling. IKEA, the wonderful everyday. Quick, come on! They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. You want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ae forward slash music. Contains strong language, strong opinions, and strong beers. It is not meant for children or for those who think they are children. You know who you are. Welcome to episode 22 of Dumb All Over. Recording from the home of James Buchanan, Pennsylvania, this is a progressive podcast with brash opinions on politics, religion, and pop culture. We're always under the influence of craft beer. On this week's episode, we will discuss Trump's tweets, uh, exposed votes, and the Scalise shooting, amongst other topics. Uh, We will answer your questions on Twitter. Uh, we also have an interview with Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is running for Congress. Um, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Austin. How are hey, you, Austin? I'm good. How about you, Tom? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, we also have a special guest on uh, right now. Uh, his name is Brandon, and he is the host of The Ergo Show, which you can find on Twitter, as well as uh, other outlets, which he'll explain as we go on. Uh, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you guys? Pretty good. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. We're looking forward to it. Uh, Thank you. I found your podcast a little bit earlier last week, and uh, you fit right in the idea, in the same mentality that we have, same same ideals. So it should be pretty good today. I'm excited. <laughs> now I hope you don't mind, um, but we always start off the show with a little beer because uh, I was wondering where you're going to get to the beer. I'm getting there <laughs> because we we need we need some kind of stimulant when we talk about politics. Uh, Absolutely. This week's beer is from Hardywood. Uh, it is their coffee stout. We got the big bottle today, mm. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. It's just Russian imperial stout brewed with locally roasted coffee. Good. Oh. Sounds interesting. Um, and then for the YouTube people, yeah, that's what a stout looks like. I know they all look the same. <laughs> they do. I'm not sure why we continuously show. All right. Cheers. Right. Cheers. All right. That's fantastic. That is pretty good. And it's pretty good. <laughs> it it's just su- tastes like coffee. <laughs> yeah. It's like coffee, but, um, you know, without the corruption because it is Russian stout. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of Russia, yeah, you'd have to get the Russian blonde ale, I think. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um first, before we start, uh Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your show and your your uh I- ideals, your your issues that you, you that you like and all that. Just give us a little bit about yourself. 
Absolutely. Um, obviously, my name is Brandon. I'm 29. I live in Ohio. I currently work as a nurse, getting ready to start grad school. Um, I started uh, my podcast because there's not a lot of uh, people in the African-American community that are involved in politics, especially not a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. So my main mission was to to try to activate and um, to inform them because you know, the one thing I always say that I can thank Donald Trump for is the fact that he woke me up politically, whereas I was never, ever interested whatsoever in politics until he happened. And when I got started in watching politics in the news, I didn't necessarily know what anybody was talking about. Right. So kind of what my approach to with my podcast and show is, is to take the news that happens and kind of review it, but break it down into layman's terms to where people could understand the concepts and really understand what's going on. So that's what I do. And uh, I do it once a week. It comes out every Sunday. I release it around 10 a.m. every Sunday. And it, I try to keep it down to 30 minutes. However, when I have interviews and whatnot, you know, I can't always promise. <laughs> right, right. We, trust me, we know. <laughs> we know. We know how that goes. Um, yeah, our podcast is more like a commitment. <laughs> yeah. It started ours started off as an hour long and now we're bordering two hours yeah. every single episode wow. because we keep getting interviews in. Um but we uh share an interviewee because you had Tom Prigg on the show uh a week ago or two weeks ago, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, Tom Prigg and his interview went on for two hours. I would love to have the show be longer, but you know, people are like, oh, my God. At first, it was my plan was to do an hour because I'm watching MSNBC. I'm like, oh, they can talk for an hour. I'm engaged for an hour. Everybody else is like, oh, no, no, no. It needs to be shorter. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we've been battling with that, too. But so, yeah. yeah. So don't be afraid to go a little longer. I think that uh, you, the, the content in your show is really it's really good. Yeah. So that's what's important is mostly the content. So as long as you keep doing good content like you are, then uh, an hour, you could get away with that. Awesome, but yeah, back to Tom Prick. Uh, did you? I hope you guys enjoyed him as much as I did. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah very was, insightful. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. He was a very intelligent man. Uh, genuinely cares about people too, um, which is great that we're starting off like this because we're about to talk about a man who doesn't care about people, <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, our our dear leader, Donald Trump. So this is the first part of today's Trump report. Yep. Yeah. First part is uh, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw his tweet, Brandon, but uh, he he said that he's under investigation. He actually tweeted that he's under investigation. <laughs> and back by and, the man who told him to fire Comey. Right. Yeah. And then uh, what was it like? Five seconds later, his uh, his team was like, "Oh no no no, he's not under investigation." <laughs> yeah. His lawyer said on TV. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, as far as we know, he's not under investigation. It's like, really? Somebody should tell him. (laughs) (laughs) And then in those same interviews, he's like, uh, he's being investigated for something an agency told him to do. Right. But he's not under investigation. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Was that the, uh, I think that was a Jake Tapper interview. I think so. It was like within like 30 seconds, the guy contradicted himself. Exactly. He ha- he's under a multifaceted interview, and the sooner I mean interview investigation, I meant, mm-hmm. and the sooner he comes to terms with that, the better. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know, 
trying to see from his past, I don't think he'll ever come to terms with it. No, I don't think, I, I think he's actually got himself believing that nothing's going on, which is actually, it's got to be amazing, right? I would yeah. love to live like that. Like, man, yeah. I have, I have no debt. I'm just, I can just keep telling myself I, I have lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> Billionaire, and I'm gonna live like one. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Fuck it. I'm putting in my order for a Lamborghini right now. <laughs> I, I'd love to see you drive a Lamborghini. <laughs> I don't know how to drive sticks, oh, no, so I can't do that. <laughs> um, hey, you got to take the podcast life to a new level sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, let's do it in my Lambo. Yeah, new Patreon I goal. <laughs> I can't. I can't drive my Lambo, so we'll just record from it. Um, but yeah, so. I, I don't know. Give us what your um, <laughs> I this is gonna sound like a stupid question. I apologize, but uh, your opinion on Donald Trump so far? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, let's just let me start with the the premise of I've been telling all of my Twitter followers and people who listen to the show that I've taken a vow and an oath to be relentless towards him and the GOP as Good. they will call themselves. Um, Donald Trump is just a complete moron i mean uh there is literally not a word that exists in human history that could describe the level of disrespect mm -hmm. the level of admonishment that i have for him he's just a gross human like i get instantly angered just even seeing him in a picture i'm instantly angry <laughs> me too it's funny you say that because like just hearing like austin was looking up a video before for uh one of the topics we're gonna be talking about soon and oh, i started yeah. hearing his voice and i was like oh turn it off yeah exactly <laughs> well you know, i don't even know why people even take the time to interview him anymore or even listen to sean spicer anymore because it's just a bunch of lies well sean we're spicer might be out apparently uh, we got yeah. a, we got an uh, an update just before you came on that said uh there's going to be a press conference that's going to talk about his new role in the White House, which, what does that mean? I don't know. Let's hope he gets replaced by Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be really funny. Yeah. That, that would be great, actually. But that probably won't happen. <laughs> no. I'm just let you know. Although I have to say, I think what really bothers me is that one day, like, you know, kids will have to say his name in that presidential succession, and it'll be there, and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just propose that we just make the number forty-five is non-existent in our um, in our country. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> like you, you know how hotels don't use room thirteen. Yeah, exactly. Let's just no. There's no forty-five. We go forty-four Obama and then forty-six probably Pence. All right, managed to get rid of that number two. <laughs> Yeah, so we just gotta skip to yeah, yeah, skip a couple more. Yeah. Gotta go to the forty-seven. Right, we might just go straight to forty-seven or forty-eight. Yeah. Paul Ryan. Oh no, <laughs> it's getting oh, worse. Nah. Skip to Ellison. <laughs> uh, uh, I you know I got a question. Um, did, who who's your support in the uh, two thousand sixteen presidential election? I actually supported Bernie Sanders, and um, I hesitate to say this a lot. Because a lot of people are very offended by it, but Hillary Clinton was the worst possible candidate for the Democrats. Yeah, and I say that for a number of reasons. But I mean, I don't want to take up your guys' time. But I just I oh, supported no. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we do too. Um, Austin found an article that's uh, 
pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, it's about votes and how they were exposed. Um, I-, I wanted to get your opinion on it. So, Austin, go ahead, read a little bit from the article, if you would. All right. So, the title of the article from CBS News, another mm. fake news, fake news, fake news, so, fake, yeah. fake news. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> yep. Um, the title is nearly 200 million Americans hit by massive voter data leak. And what happened was uh, the article says a personal information for more than 198 million American voters was left exposed this month after a data analytics firm hired by the Republican National Committee stored the files on an unsecured Amazon server. <laughs> Deep Root Amazon. Analytics, yeah. Um, Deep Root Analytics, the conservative analytics firm, confirmed in a statement Monday that the files had been accessed without their knowledge. Nice! Yeah, for 12 days. Hey, speaking of unsecured servers, it's so, like, come on, guys. You can't go after Hillary Clinton for an unprotected email server and then do something like this. This is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) And Mike Pence as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, I think he's still, if if I'm not mistaken, and it sounds like I'm going to be joking about this, but I'm pretty sure it's legit. I think he was using an AOL account as well, which tells you how outdated yeah. he is. Yeah, probably still on a Commodore 64. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell uses an AOL account anymore? I don't I, I don't think I've ever contacted somebody with AOL.com. Well, Tom, he had his 1,200 free minutes on that disc that he got in the mail. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Floppy disk. <laughs> He's like, well, I haven't used this in a while. <laughs> He still has the old school tower for his uh, hard drive and everything else. Oh yeah, too. it's white still too because it's got to be, has... be white. Because <laughs> if it's not white, it doesn't yeah. fit in the Pence house. No, I bet I bet he has the ones that line his hallways. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets like ninety-year-old men from NASA who actually oh, worked with those. Let's, ones. let's be careful about our future president. <laughs> right. We don't We're need so him coming knocking on our door. Right. I don't. I don't need that. Um, I just think it's completely irresponsible of them. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah. And why is it that the GOP is always involved in some type of voter scandal, whether it's voter suppression, whether it's trying to gerrymander, whether it's exposing data, whether it's Russia? I mean, they're constantly in some nonsense concerning voting. Yeah, well, I think it has to do with the fact that they are an antiquated party. Who, yeah, they're an opposition party by design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they have no choice but to be. And and everything about them is old fashioned. So it's kind of like a a perfect storm of ignorance, right? Because it has they want to make sure that um, minorities can't vote. They want to make sure that young people can't vote. Oh, yeah. And they don't know how to work well with technology. <laughs> Some right. of the people who did vote get <laughs> their data leaked. So minorities, right. young people, and most likely college educated people are the people that they fear the most. And mm-hmm. that, and I think that's why Betsy DeVos is our Secretary of Education because yeah. their goal is to destroy education so the stupid people can go out. That people become stupid, and then hey, oh Donald Trump looks like a good candidate. Yeah. Well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. And they just, it, it, that's a good point that you say that it's a perfect storm of ignorance because I can't put it to terms how these people are supporting the Republican Party. Like, oh, yeah, like, let's go support Donald Trump. Meanwhile, he's going to take away our health care. He's going to cut our Medicaid. He's going to try to cut our food stamps, which is stuff that they're mostly dependent upon yeah. just as much as anybody else. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I digress. You know, you know. Uh, it, it seemed, I, I saw this article. I, I, God, I don't remember where I saw this, but uh, it was right after Trump uh, re 
reblocked Cuba. I don't know. I'm not saying that correctly, but you know what happened. He we're, we're no longer in communications with Cuba, the future Russian state. Um, <laughs> but it seems like whatever Obama did is exactly what Trump wants to get rid of. It's yeah, like he wants to away with his legacy. Yeah, like dumbass. What is Cuba doing for us that's negative that you have to close the borders again? You know what? He wants to do he wants to erase Obama, but with each and every move that he makes, he further solidifies Obama's legacy. Right. Because we're it's, gonna one day look back and say, look at what this idiot did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um Yeah, I I think uh for for the Cuba thing, uh Trump looked at Cuba and said, Hey, brown people on an island and Obama. He's like, Nope, I'm good. Yeah. Block him. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think, and it probably has to do with keeping his promise on hardline immigration stance. Right. Because, you know, it's like, well, I campaigned on being a bigot, so what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's good at saying what, other, what he thinks other people want him to say. Yeah. I honestly don't think that a lot of what he says he really I don't I, I don't believe that a lot of what he says he actually feels that way mm-hmm. especially when you consider the fact that he's been a democrat his whole life yeah. or at least supporting democrat candidates his yeah. whole life I, you know in a way I wish that if we had to have a Donald Trump as a president I wish I could go back to like 1980 Donald Trump because I've seen interviews of him back then mm-hmm. talking as if just like a corporate democrat yeah and I'm like I'll take a corporate democrat at this point yeah but like totally different i don't know what happened and maybe well, he just got old or well he, no i think what happened is, and it's a larger phenomenon you know old people are like yeah. <laughs> are we ragging <laughs> on old people now yeah <laughs> fuck them they got this country fucked up because because they're racist right, tom and relax shit. no i know i know podcasts are a safe medium to criticize old people over but we're not gonna <laughs> let that happen listen bill o'reilly's followers are not gonna listen to us no they're probably not gonna listen to him either <laughs> Yeah, they'll, they'll probably be asking their grandchildren, "How do I find this uh, this podcaster? <laughs> Who are you looking for? A podcaster? <laughs> oh, oh, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly's a podcast. No, I don't think so. Now, yeah, right. I'll say this: not all old people are racist and mean. That's <laughs> you happy now? <laughs> no, but they're stubborn as hell. So. That's true. Yeah, right. Elephant fits for them as well. But what? What I was going to say was that there there is this um, phenomenon that happened as soon as the right-wing media took hold in the mid-90s, mm-hmm. where people, and there's even a documentary about this, where um, this woman's father, who was a JFK-supporting labor Democrat, okay. turned into a right-wing zealot because on his way to work in the late 90s, he started listening to Rush Limbaugh oh, God. on AM radio. Oh, God. Yeah. And I think this happened to a whole generation of people who were in their, you know, 40s and 50s in the 90s and are now older. Old. That they latched on to all these right-wing, you know, zealots. Hmm. And it created, and I think it might have happened to Donald Trump, too, because he's always looking for the most bombastic or the most outrageous thing somebody says. And for, you know, a 15-year period, that was all coming from the far, far right. Um, Let's move on to something that's sort of upsetting. Um, but it falls into the lines of something that Austin and I at least both, uh, believe in and which is, you know, gun reform and gun oh, control. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Scalise, is that how he's pronounced? I believe Scalise? so. I believe, yeah. Uh, you know, he, 
couple days ago, he was shot at a baseball game. I, I don't know the details of this case. I I, I should have been following it a little bit closer, but I yeah. have not. I just know that he's not in uh, critical condition anymore. I believe that he is f- like on pace for recovery and all that. Yeah, I think they said it's now considered serious. I don't yeah, know. I don't know what that means. Serious and critical, it's, yeah. it's not going to be a, a fun road of recovery for him. And listen, I, as far as my stance, and I know Austin's the same way as me. I'm sure you are as well, Brandon. Uh, I understand people are angry, but solving it through violence is not going to work. It's mm-hmm. not. That's not the way to do it. I don't know. I just want to get your opinions on um, on the shooting, everything that, that happened. Um, I was truly <clears throat> disgusted with the shooting. I was saddened by it mm-hmm. uh, because, like you said, there is no reason that we should be resorting to violence, no. especially since the 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 general consensus is is that the people on the left are the violent ones and are the protesters, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, honestly, not only did I take that into consideration, but I also took it took the racial part of it into consideration before they released his identity. Mm-hmm. I was like, please, oh God, not let him be a black person. Right, please right. God, not let him be an immigrant or, or a Muslim or anything like that. Because just imagine the field day that they would have with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to say that, you know, use him because he was a white man that did it but i'm just like you know just imagine how even more catastrophic it would have been had he been a minority yeah but they got something they wanted even more a bernie sanders supporter yeah, exactly i know exactly and yeah. they tried so hard to make and not tried they, they successfully made this into a oh bernie sanders supporters are out for violence and i'm, and I'm like no 99.9 percent yeah. of bernie sanders supporters preach what bernie sanders i'm wearing a shirt right now specifically because I knew we were going to talk about this, but because this shirt exists. It says, Peace, Love, and Bernie. That's what the Mm -hmm. shirt says. That's what Bernie preached, peace and love. So if a supporter took that idea and took a gun and tried to shoot uh, a congressman who has not had the greatest track record for civil rights, let's just put it that way. Steve Scalise is not a front runner for uh, man of the year. I'm just saying that. (laughs) You know? Uh, but if he took that idea of Bernie Sanders and took a gun and tried to kill a man for it, that's not the message. No. The message not. is trying to grow a community of progressive people like us, all three of us, yeah. and grow that community peacefully, not with guns. Yeah. Uh, I but will you know what? It's a tactic of the Republicans all the time to any type of protest that's against their or the ideals or views dating back to civil rights mm-hmm. to Tupac to to anybody who had anything to say against what they were doing is to paint them in this you guys are trying to incite violence and war image yeah right right so, Bernie I mean you saw that when they tried to say oh when they when the Republicans put out that picture of Bernie Sanders being arrested in the civil rights days at the march yeah you know like Oh my God! I'm like you idiots. Like this is a good thing. This is yeah. something that should he should have been promoting himself. Yeah, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Corbin the also arrested during the civil rights movement or something yeah. of yeah. that sort? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, Howard Zinn, who's one of my idols, he's one of the inspirations of my life. I'm not sure if you ever heard of him. He's most famous for his work of the People's History of the United States. Yeah. Um, but he was a civil rights activist from the from like he I, I think he was a he's a white man yeah. white professor at a like one of the first black colleges and he led that classroom that he taught to like one of the beginnings of the civil rights movement yeah he got arrested 
He got arrested multiple times for the things he did. That doesn't make him a bad person. That makes him a, a fighter for something that is... No, yeah, being arrested in support of the Civil Rights Movement is right. a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're, right. fight, you're fighting for something, you know? The, yeah. So I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and but it's just unfortunate. I mean, but uh, I I gotta say that that guy who did the shooting, um, I'm not celebrating it whatsoever. No. But it's a sad. He's a savage. Like he had the audacity. Then he was like, "Okay, get, hold my beer. Give me a minute." And then he goes to get a gun. Like that's just outrageous for yeah. anybody. To do. Yeah, you know that was bold on a whole nother. Like I'm again, I'm not. I'm saying it's bold, like it's bold, disgustingly because who would think that you were pre-planning this? This, you know, all this time. Yeah. I never even that they were having a base. Uh, they had an annual baseball game. And do you know what the most amazing thing about this entire Scalise shooting is? Is the fact that the GOP actually found a way to turn this into a pro-gun situation. Not a gun reform, not a gun control situation, but hey, if we all had guns, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Meanwhile, I'm screaming, you guys just passed a law that made it easier for mental health people to get guns. Exactly. And you wonder why people get shot up in softball fields. Yeah, exactly. You know what else is amazing? That's though, a good that, point. I didn't even think about that. That on that same day, there were two other shootings where people actually died. That's right. That didn't get any coverage. No coverage. Because this so fit the narrative that they wanted to run with. Right. And I mean, what was it was in San Francisco at a, a UPS facility. Oh, I heard there about that. There were like that. two yeah. people killed by yeah. a disgruntled employee. Yeah. And then there was one. Is that the and same f- day right here? Huh? Was that the same day there was one right here in PA? Um, I think the other one was in Florida that day. Okay, because there was yeah. one right in our backyard. Oh yeah, in, in Wilkesbury. Yeah, but that yeah, it wasn't that same day. It wasn't. No. Yeah, where a disgruntled employee came into his. I think it was like a Weiss or a Shoprite. It was a grocery store. Yeah, and he uh, walked in and for his night shift, and he shot and killed three of his coworkers. One escaped. But I think it is amazing on a day with three shootings where two of the shootings had fatalities. Yeah, the, the one, one that, that didn't is got all the well, coverage. But it is the politician. It's a yeah. public figure. I mean, I, I, I understand that, but they should have covered all three. Yeah, but the part of the point is you can't make this into a pro-gun situation, can you? No. And yeah, and the, well, that was the bigger point is that we're the only country who had three mass shooting stories to talk about in oh, one day. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Exactly. You know what? And to to make it a pro gun situation to me is is to only make it more of a um, more of a violent rhetoric to to say, okay, well, if they're going to come shoot us up, let's everybody buy guns and shoot each other, <laughs> right? Yeah, because that makes more sense. It's like <laughs> it's like that debate where uh, should should guns be allowed in schools? That's an right. insane debate. But it's a debate. <laughs> I know. And it's a debate that happens all the time. I got an answer for you. Ooh, ooh, pick me. No. Yeah, I know. It's so dumb. Well, you know, like Bessie DeVos said, they need guns for those wild bears. That are- <laughs> I <laughs> forgot she said yeah. that. Oh, that's right. Oh, God, what a dumbass. <laughs> um, if you don't know, Brandon, I'm I'm going to school to become a teacher. Um, awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, are you practicing your uh, bear fending off skills? Well, I, you know, I have watched a lot of uh, Man vs. Wild. <laughs> yes. So, go. yeah. You should also watch Grizzly Man. It'll tell you what not I to do. I saw Grizzly Man. <laughs> it, it, he told me not to hug the Grizzlies. 
All right. Um, all right. So today, the day we're recording, which is Tuesday, there there is a uh, very special election that's happening tonight. Oh, that's right. Now, yeah. by the time this podcast is out, we will know the results. So lucky you listeners and viewers, you know what happened. We don't. Yeah. John Ossoff, that election in Georgia's sixth... Sixth district, yeah. yes. There's sixth district. Is <laughs> Tom's tonight. congressional district knowledge continues to be there's a just lot outstanding. Of, there's a lot of we've been in contact with a lot of congressional members. I can't remember. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> against this wonderful human being, we call Karen. What is it? Karen Handel. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. She's she's man. She is a hero. God, she yeah, is of lunatics. God bless America. Of, she's a model of generosity, isn't she? Yeah, her most recent kerfuffle. Yeah, I wanted to use that so badly today. Oh boy, her most recent kerfuffle was saying that. Are you she- sure it's not her most recent confifi? <laughs> oh, I'll use that. Her most recent confifi <laughs> was saying that she does not support a like a living wage. She actually said she doesn't support a living wage. Yeah, and that's not even the worst thing she said. No, but that's the most recent confifi. And, and to quote Comey, "There's no fuzz on that." Like she literally <laughs> said those words verbatim. I yeah. do not support a livable way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, even, all right, let's be honest here. Let's pretend we're all Republicans here. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're trying to win an election. I think ele- one of us wouldn't be allowed here. <laughs> Actually, two of us wouldn't be allowed <laughs> here if we're all Republicans. <laughs> You're trying to win an election, correct? Yeah. Even if you don't believe in raising the minimum wage, how can you say you don't support that? Yeah, the, way, the way you said it, you can say, hey, I don't support a $15 raise. I don't support a $15 minimum wage. That's, that's a, basic republican propaganda yeah but to say i don't support a livable wage pretty much means hey walmart pay them a dollar i don't care yeah i don't care yeah that, right and then did you yeah. go on to say something like you know the country needs like lower income people to balance that or to do something i've read something that she went on to say like you know we need to have lower income people to help the economy grow or something silly. <laughs> of course she would yes, say that. Child slavery! <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> right. hashtag child slavery, everyone. Yeah. Right. Um, it, let, like, let's just start sweatshops here in the United yeah, States. Yeah, why not? And, and let's just put, hey, jobs, jobs, jobs. It'll be fun. It wouldn't <laughs> shock me if she's like, I miss the old plantations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, she. Time to go add on if if I can go um, please. Uh, to add on what you were saying about not supporting the fifteen dollar thing, I'm a Democrat and I'm not supporting the fifteen dollar raise myself. And I only say that for one reason: I'm a RN now. I was once an LPN, and when I was an LPN, I made fifteen dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like if we're not gonna adjust the pay grades. For the other people who, you know, I'm not denigrating anyone who hasn't gone to college, but for the professions that have college degrees and whatnot, they need to see a bump as well. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. And everybody's or are we just going to only bump the minimum wage people? You know, well, that's just where I draw the line. If you go to a state like Washington and you specifically see, Seattle. The yeah, city in Washington, yeah. 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 Um, where they raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars. That's just the minimum wage. So yeah. it, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I have read articles saying that uh, the people who let's say they were already making three dollars over the minimum wage, they're yeah. making eleven dollars an hour at the seven twenty five minimum. They uh-huh. got their eighteen dollars an hour. 
They yeah. still oh, got okay. their extra, but I, that's just from the few articles I've read. Um, hopefully, well, it's it's because that the people who work at those places all of a sudden have a new consumer base that can afford to pay for things, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's I would hope that everyone, uh, if the fifteen dollar, if it was raised to fifteen dollars, that all these companies would follow suit. I would hope that would happen, but it yeah. seems like it has happened, or at least is happening in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a good point that you brought that up that, you know, if more people can afford to buy that stuff, I mean, I mean, that's basically economics one on one, which is probably why I took up nursing and not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, so that that, I'm I'm actually kind of curious because you said you're you're you are a nurse. Um, What what is your stance on health care in America? What do you support? I support completely single payer universal health care. Um, uh, if people are worried about competition with that, to me, that's only going to increase patient care coming from the someone who works on the inside. Because if everyone has a single payer, that's going to force the institutions to give better service to get more clients instead of just skimming by on whatever they can get away with to yeah. get patients to come there. So I think that it'll be good for the people financially and it'll be good for the care that we give because speaking as a nurse, I cannot even, you know, I was going to do a documentary one day on what happens behind the scenes. Like, yeah, you see the nurses and mm-hmm. they, they, most of them and the doctors treat their patients okay in person. Mm-hmm. But some of the crap that goes on behind the scenes is just, would blow your mind away. Really? Like, it's is bad. Oh, sure. So I support single payer on multiple levels. It just needs. I mean, and the fact that we're the only country yet we're the free world that doesn't have this. Yeah, is just it's asinine. How yep. free? How free can we actually be? Yeah, you know, like exactly. that alone. I remember a few months ago or a month ago or so, Trump was over uh, at in Australia. Remember that? Oh yeah. Where he said he's like, "Well, I don't have to tell Australia about their healthcare. They got one of the best in the world." Yeah. Dumbass. Right. Yeah. They have single payer. I know. And yeah, they- Bernie Sanders went on um, All In with Chris Hayes that day, and he was like, "Yeah, we're going to close you on the Senate floor." He started, yeah. he started laughing. That was great. And the crazy thing is, in Australia, their healthcare system is literally called Medicare. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Because they actually care. Yeah. <laughs> And it's uh, it's but you know, wasn't California investigating doing single payer, but they found out it was going to be like four trillion dollars or something like that. Well, what happened is the the single payer bill passed the Senate, and mm-hmm. it is um, right now being deliberated, and they're trying to figure out what it's going to cost to add it to the budget. And mm-hmm. some people, and they were actually single payer opponents, had it pegged at four hundred billion. Which is higher than the study that they had commissioned, which was around three hundred and thirty two billion. Okay. But you have to remember that the spending in California on healthcare is three hundred and sixty eight billion dollars. Oh, so it's still oh wow. Yeah. Right. So it was right around the same amount. Yeah. I mean if more a few billion dollars, but <laughs> Yeah. And and what they were saying is that uh, in this system everybody in the state would be covered. Mm-hmm. But the problem well, with the problem with state, you know, states doing it by themselves is that they just don't have as much leverage as the entire federal government. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean, California and New York might be the only places where you could start because they are big enough to be able to influence. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
And California's economy is so much larger. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they should be able to handle something like that. Yeah. I think it's just sad that it takes a state like that to do it. But that also shows a bigger problem in the country where the Democrats are isolated to these that is, bigger state, bigger city areas. Yeah, that's you know? a good point. Yeah. That's a good point because a lot of the things that Democrats rely on or progressives as well start in either California or yeah. New York. But it doesn't. You never see something starting from like, hey, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, the thing except fucking potholes. The thing is that <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, but the thing is that liberals have a tendency to move together mm-hmm. because they enjoy right. being around each right. other. Like, where conservatives do not, and I don't blame them because I don't like being well, around them either. <laughs> the funny part that you say that is my some of my plans include moving to New Hampshire. Yeah, which is like for the most part a pretty liberal state. Yeah, and eventually I want to move to Brooklyn. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. I, it's like I just can't stand being in Trump Town. But that, but that is a reason why liberals have so much trouble, right? You know, getting the policies they want because their electoral yeah. power is lessened by the fact that they all live together, right. Right. and the electoral college limits them exactly to just you know where they are, what, rather than having every vote count equally. Right. Right. You know. Exactly. Uh, you know, I took my hat to California. Uh, I mean, certainly they can afford it. If they can afford it, then the rest of the country can. A lot yeah. of people are opposed to it because of the fact that, you know, how are we going to pay for it? I'm a kind of person where I would actually support paying more taxes to make sure that I have health insurance. I would too. Yeah, I would too. It's the one of the few occasions that I can say I will pay a little bit more in taxes. Yeah, but you know what the thing is? But they you don't s- need to. They said that it would save the average family five grand. Right. So there you go. Because you pay more in taxes, but you have no health premium. But you anymore. also yeah. don't need I to do that. that yeah. Because especially in a state like California, let's say, where there's quite a few celebrities, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but there's a place called Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> and if you were to just raise the tax from like, what, I don't know, $200,000 and more, yeah. let's say, yeah. just by like 5%, you're probably going to have enough money to cover it. Not only do they have Hollywood, they have Silicon Valley. That too. <laughs> I've heard of that. Yeah. The the biggest tech companies in the world are around San Francisco. So I don't I don't understand why that should even be a topic of, of discussion. Oh, it, I know. Just raise you know the, the other point is is like my insurance comes out of my check every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see that dis- I mean you're you're giving away something, you're gonna pay more in taxes, but then again you're really only going to be probably paying as much as you already pay for your current health insurance. That's what a lot of people just continue That's to miss. Too. Yeah. yeah. And there will be, supposedly there won't be a deductible. Right. Right. So, exactly. Well, yeah. Well, there shouldn't be. Yeah. There shouldn't so be. you pay roughly the same and you get full coverage. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I just don't understand <laughs> the only people who could possibly be opposed are insurance companies because they're the only yeah. ones making money. And they should the be. System. Yeah. And, and as a result, the politicians are as well because yeah. who, who owns the politicians? Yeah, well, a large, yeah. a large Healthcare. majority, yeah, and pharmaceuticals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. know what? The Republicans are all like, "Oh, well, we shouldn't have to force people to buy health insurance." Well, okay, let's You're take right. that argument and let's say this: that no one should have to pay car insurance. Why is it mandatory for all of us to have car insurance? Yeah, when arguably sure. health insurance is far more important than um, car uh, automobile insurance. Yeah, I well, mean, I actually car accident. You're going to need 
health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> so. I actually agree with the Republicans. You're right. No one should pay for health care. Single payer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I it should be you. it should be a right. You yeah. should not force anybody to take to uh, buy for, uh, insurance for health care. Yeah, you're right. Good yeah. job, Republicans. You're not as dumb as I thought. But they forget the second part where yeah. everybody should, should be have a right, yeah, right, and not a privilege. Yeah. Oh, but it can't happen in this country. I love that argument. I love yeah. talking to people. Oh, it can't happen in the country. Oh no. Tell that to the rest of the world. Miss America, she's like, oh, I believe healthcare is a privilege and not a right. I'm just like, thank God you are doing beauty pageants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What a shock that somebody like in an archaic thing like a beauty pageant would have archaic views. (laughs) I I, I also want just to go back to like the people who argue, oh, it can never happen in America. I ask Uganda how their healthcare system is. Because last time I checked, they have universal health care. Yeah. And can 99% of people that we're going to talk to even name where Uganda is? Yeah. Probably well, not. Should, <laughs> should ask them about France or Germany. <laughs> they might not know where those are. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? That's probably why France and Germany are evil to Donald Trump because they have health care for everyone. You know, they have liberty and justice for all compared to United States under Donald Trump. So, yeah. you know, they're evil. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they're well, terrible think, people. What fake, is it? Fake news yeah, on the <laughs> <laughs> fake news. But on the uh, on the World Freedom Index, I believe we've fallen this year. We have. Yeah. I, are you talking? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just saw that too. Yeah. Um, Where now? I think Canada. What is it? Canada, France, and Germany. I think are and Norway and Sweden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and Denmark are the top. Yeah. Like ninety nine, mm-hmm. or was it like ninety five to one hundred percent free? Something like that, yeah. And we're in the seventy nine to eighty five. And I think largely because of our press freedoms. If I'm not mistaken, if I looked at that yeah. graph correctly, it looked like our press freedoms had been re- uh, reduced, and as yeah. a result, and reproductive rights. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. So like, we are not the freest country in the world. No, I hate to break it to you, and we haven't been Americans. for a long, long no. time. Yeah. No. Wow, that I did not know anything. I, about that so that is something <laughs> for me to investigate yeah. that it, it's not shocking either nope. it's not shocking whatsoever you can you vis- know how does the country that's the prototype for democracy end up being lower than most others who I greece just- <laughs> shut up <Tom. laughs> well greece invented democracy so yeah what the fuck well, this country shouldn't take credit for democracy yeah well it modern yeah have modern constitutional the, democracy. Have you ever seen the Electoral College? That's not fucking democracy. Well, I was gonna say. Well, I was gonna say too that we were also like the last of the European nations to not have slavery. <laughs> so it's oh, like, great. Add on yeah. to the wonderful list of shit. Yeah, I know. So when they always say it's like we're the home of freedom, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, except for, the, for well, no, no, <laughs> you're, you're you're not off. We are the home of freedom for old white men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. it's true. And we're not right. there yet. Well, you're not there. You're never going to yeah. get there. Don't forget Christian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, shit. I of forgot course, about that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the funny thing is, I bet the Native Americans were pretty free before the Europeans got here. <laughs> I bet you they were pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think they did well without the smallpox. Yeah. I don't know about that. Wow. Uh, when the Pope is considered more liberal than the United <laughs> States, you have a problem. Right? I mean, yeah. Like, when you could look at the Pope and say, hey, you could lead our country and i'd be happy with it yeah you got problems right. yeah you got <laughs> fucking problems big time big time yeah. <laughs> I but think... that's also fake news you know oh, yeah. <laughs> of course yeah of course it's right. a rouge we made it all up because we lost the election that we should have won <laughs> because... 
Because the electoral college is impossible for a Republican to win. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, well, the popular vote, <laughs> except, at least. Except that the electoral college is the only way they can win. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, and they know yeah. this. That's why they hang on to it for oh, dear life. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad to be on the show with you guys because finally someone agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was a lot no of fun. Problem. It's been great. I would love to come back on and I would love to have you guys do an interview of you guys if you ever want to. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely we're definitely yeah. interested. We're we're yeah. we're looking to help out and, you know, support the progressive community, especially with podcasts as much as we can. Yeah. Ultimately, unless all move to New York or California together too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you know, listen, you might be You might be joking, but that's more realistic than you think. <laughs> exactly. It's likely to happen. Right. <laughs> uh, so like I said, um, why don't you quickly plug in uh, where everybody can find you because I definitely want our listeners and our viewers to definitely uh, follow you. So go ahead and uh, plug everything that you can. All right. Um, my show's called Ergo, uh, The Ergo Show, E-R-G-O. I'm on Twitter. The, the handle is at Ergo Show. Instagram is the same thing, at Ergo Show. I'm on Facebook. It has a page for it, which is also called Ergo Show. <laughs> <laughs> I have YouTube, iTunes, and a, and the podcast feed is on the actual website. So if you have to do one of those podcatcher things, oh, it's okay. automatically in the website. Nice. Um, and that's at uh, theergoshow.blogspot.com. Okay. I'm preparing to move it to a, a actual website without the blogspot in it because that's annoying. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it's all a big process, but yeah, new episodes every Sunday. Uh, I'll try to keep it down to 30 minutes, but I'm not making any guarantees or promises. <laughs> I, got, I got one question for you. What does ergo mean? Ergo is there is Latin for the word therefore. Um, oh. So it was kind of tongue-in-cheek where I was kind of trying to be shady. Because when <laughs> I came up with the, the idea, I'm like, Donald Trump got elected, therefore I'm going to do this. <laughs> okay. so, like That's that. where I got the term ergo for. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely be in contact about coming on your show and then having you back on uh, in the future date for sure. Yep. All right. Sounds good. You guys have a good rest of the show. You too. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Do you support progressive ideas? Do you want to wear clothes that reflect your progressive values and not a corporate logo? Then buy from You Resist. You Resist is an organization dedicated to promoting progressive initiatives with non-corporate logos. We create and sell clothing with progressive graphics. Visit You Resist at youresist.org or at facebook.com slash u.resist. Wear your resistance. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're now joined by a very special guest. She is running for Congress in New York's 14th Congressional District. Her name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and we are honored to have her on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alexandria. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. No uh, problem. Yeah, we uh, we love supporting uh, progressive candidates, especially ones that are fairly local to us. Um, we had Tom Prigg on uh, a few weeks ago. He's running in uh, like near Pittsburgh. I forgot what district that is. You remember what district that was? Uh, the 12th, I believe. Was it 12th? Yeah. Uh, so we, we love having uh, any candidate that's for change on. So we're, we're very excited for today. Great. Um, yeah, I'm so happy to be on. Um, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself as a person and uh, why you're running for Congress? What made you want to run for Congress? Yeah, of course. Uh, so 
Again, my name is Alexandria. I am a third generation Bronxite. I was born in the Bronx. My father's from the Bronx. My grandmother uh, came to the Bronx from Puerto Rico. And uh, we've, we, you know, my family's been here for the last, I'd say, 50 or so years. Oh, wow. And yeah, and um, and my family, we've, you know, my, my father had a small business here. My parents, my parents met in Puerto Rico, but they started our family here. And you know, I never really thought about, um, this wasn't kind of like in the, in the deck for me, especially, you know, being born to a really working class family. I wasn't born, um, you know, wasn't born with a lot of resources or political connections or with any sort of connection to the, you know, particularly, uh, daunting political machine here in New York city. And so, you know, when I was a kid, I was actually very interested in science and, possibly going into medicine. And, uh, but when I was young, my family, we were forced to move, you know, public school in the Bronx Mm -hmm. in the late eighties and the early nineties was not a pretty place to be. And Mm -hmm. my parents knew really early on that if I were to have a shot, um, we needed to move to a public school district that was able to serve its children properly. And so from a really young age, I saw, the impact that the zip code that you're born in has on your prospects for a future. And so that's always, community has always been very important to me, um, whether it's how a person has access to their, you know, their health care or their education. It's, you know, just caring about your community has always been a value to me and my family. It's always been part of being a full human being. And, um, I had the privilege of going to college. I was, you know, the first uh, in my, on my mom's side of the family, first generation to go to college. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in school, I started caring more about these issues. I started becoming much more deeply invested in policy. I worked for Ted Kennedy. I spent some mm-hmm. time in West Africa with um, working on maternal health and public health. And um, And I realized at that time, especially when Citizens United passed, that if I really wanted to impact communities, that politics actually wasn't the place to be. Right. I felt like the money was too powerful, the dynastic you know, powers were too powerful, and as just a regular working person, there wasn't a place for, for me in politics. And so I turned to doing more direct work with my communities. And I'm after I graduated, I moved back to the Bronx I started working on a social enterprise, but, you know, also at that time, the financial crisis hit and my father had passed away due to cancer and all of a sudden, yeah, it, yeah. But you know, these, these are the things that happen Mm -hmm. to Americans everywhere. You know, it's just, this is life. It's life. And, um, the opportunities and the safety nets that are there for us when life happens is having that there is so important for people to be able to continue to pursue opportunity in their lives. And um, so kind of when that, when, when the floor kind of, and the rug kind of came out from under us in that time, you know, my family was on the brink of foreclosure and I started waitressing in restaurants um, to help keep my family afloat. Mm -hmm. And in that time, like you just really see, and you really experience, I really experience, like many other Americans, what it's like to be just a normal working person right. in the yeah. United States. And it's amazing, but too many of our elected representative officials 
don't know what it's like to lead a real life, mm -hmm. trying to work 18 hour days to make ends meet. And um, when the Bernie Sanders campaign started again, I really saw that it really proved to me that that politics and democracy, real democracy is still viable in this country. And I think a lot of us had kind of given up on that idea, mm -hmm. but we really all realized last year that this is possible and this is doable, but it takes it takes all hands on deck. It takes a mass commitment. Right. And so I um, I started organizing for the Bernie Sanders campaign in the South Bronx. And after the election, I really felt like the whole country was kind of um, disconnected in terms of how we we're communicating with each other. So I went and I traveled across, across country. I went, I stopped in Ohio with some friends, stopped in Flint, Michigan, Indiana, oh, wow. uh, Minneapolis, and we really started talking to everyday Americans. And we really started figuring out that even on both sides of the aisle, even though some people may not have been able to possibly understand how someone they knew could have voted differently from them, that there really was actually a very broad consensus in this country on political corruption and the influence of corporations in politics. You know, whether you're Republican or Democrat, there are many, many, many Americans that are very concerned about this issue. Right. And yeah. uh, we ended this trip at Standing Rock, and I spent days at Standing Rock where we literally saw private corporations hiring private militias to overrun democratic will and democratic systems. And um, when I got back, I had gotten a call from brand new Congress saying that I had been nominated to run for office. Oh, wow. And uh, that's how this whole thing really kicked off, because brand new Congress is a national effort to mount dozens of primary challengers in the 2018 midterm elections mm -hmm. on both sides of the aisle. And um, and they run on a nomination. It's very kind of a, a Washingtonian model where your peers nominate members of the community to represent them, you know, and which which is really kind of how it should be when you think about it. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, and when I had gotten the call, I spent a lot of time talking with brand new Congress and we went through about six months of vetting in both directions. And uh, I kind of thinking, am I really about to do this big, crazy thing? And uh, and them saying, are we really about to, <laughs> to float this candidate? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, long story short, we just announced four weeks ago, we ha we've, in three weeks, we do we uh, organized the second largest amount of donors oh, wow. than wow. any New York City campaign has in the last six months. That's incredible. Um, we've, the momentum and the energy and the will is there, particularly in New York City. People think of New York and New York City in particular as this liberal haven. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of ways in which we are very imperfect, particularly when it comes to our voting laws and uh, corporate influence over politicians. Right. And um, the machine here is very strong. The machine in New York 14 has had a, a vice grip over every small seat as small as community board and county committee, which are unpaid positions. Yeah. Um, and people are really hungry for change, for a real democracy again. And uh, we're tired of, of people being appointed to seats that they don't deserve, to communities that they don't represent. And so we're here to change that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And you made a good point, too, uh, where you said it almost seemed like uh, everybody was had this feeling of being beaten down 
and they've given mm-hmm. up on the system. I, you know, for the longest time, I was settling for what I could get. These, you know, corp- right. corporate Democrats who really yeah. weren't it, gonna do much for you, but just weren't outwardly bigots. That's right. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and now there's this wave of progressivism that's like exciting because yeah. we can finally support people who we actually believe will help. Which is it is it's great to it's it's great to see as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that's such a good point too because um, you know, we hear this talk and and these terms about identity politics mm-hmm. and this and that, and you hear you know these terms that just get everybody so upset. Like everything from like oh you know this is racist or that's a safe space right. or you're a snowflake or all of this stuff. <laughs> But um, but really, it, it is true what you're saying in that when one party stands up for just basic civil rights mm-hmm. and the other one doesn't, yeah. then both parties really hold you hostage to yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because then if one party just says, OK, you know, I just believe that you're a human being that deserves equal opportunity, then that means that they can get away with with advancing policies that make it harder to be a working class person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We can like both are possible, and I kind of I um I uh it's so unrepresentative of how Americans actually feel. The majority of Americans support marriage equality. Right. The vast majority of Americans believe in human caused contributions to climate change. Uh-huh. The vast majority of Americans believe in very basic levels of gun control, like keeping severely mentally people away from having a gun. And uh, these are things that we have broad American consensus on, but Congress seems to be deadlocked over. And it's because of this basic issue, because of lobbying. Um, And they're they're not being representative of the people's will. And it's because of the influence of money in politics. So you you mentioned a little bit about uh, donations before. Could you tell us a little more about how uh, your campaign's being funded? Yes. So... um, as a brand new Congress and just and a Justice Democrats endorsed candidate, I do not take any um, I do not take any large corporate contributions. I do not even take any PAC money either. Mm, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> that is great. There are yeah yeah and and PACs political action committees. Uh, they there are several that have endorsed our campaign. Right. And um, you know that insofar as that, I think that's fine. If they want to call attention to the issues that we're raising in the campaign, if they want to uh, educate people, make them more aware of of who we are and endorse us, that's fantastic. But in terms of money that is untrackable, untraceable, um, that can kind of change hands over and over again, it's a legal money laundering system for our government. Yep. And it's not it. it it's corruption. It is. And yeah. no one wants yep. to use that word. No one wants to use the C word, you know. Right, <laughs> That's yeah, the right. word. But it's exactly and, what it is, yeah. And it is. We gotta you gotta call a spade a spade. And this is legalized corruption. When when my my opponent, he um it was a White House ethics inquiry opened into him a couple a uh, couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And they love to say he got off, he got off. But when you ex- when you explain the actual situation, it's like Basically, what happened was that this was uh, post the financial crisis. There was a bill on the floor of Congress um, talking about Wall Street regulation, imposing further regulations on these big banks that were too big to fail. And uh, 
caused so many people to foreclose on their homes. He left the floor of Congress in the middle of debate to go to a Wall Street hosted fundraiser. Wow. And when he came back, he flipped and and voted against Wall Street regulation. Oh, there you wow. go. Right in the wake of the financial crisis. And Jeez. if that is not a compromise vote, I do not know what that's is. That's 100% yeah. a compromise vote. That's that's unreal. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And, well, you mentioned a little bit about your uh, your opponent. Um, one, tell Can you tell us more about uh, your opponent or opponents? I'm not sure if there's other people that are also going to be running. It's uh so I'm the only uh, I'm the only candidate crazy enough to challenge Joseph Crowley in the last 10 to 15 years. Oh wow. Wow. Uh, wow. He has never never had a serious uh, primary opponent almost Ooh. in his entire political career to be honest. Jeez. Um he's only been challenged yeah and the reason for that is because he comes from a three generation political machine mm. in Queens. Um, his uncle was a councilman, and and they've basically been playing musical chairs with um, with political seats in throughout Queens and New York City. Mm-hmm. And he was he's unelected, so he got this seat on a um, on a technicality. He was very very close. His boss, former boss, was the previous incumbent. Okay, and what they did was. Uh, the previous incumbent, and this never happened. This is even bad, even for machine politics. The previous incumbent um, basically made it seem as though he was running for re-election when he had no intention of continuing. He was retiring, mm. but he ran for re-election and waited until nobody would challenge him. So he submitted. He waited until past the deadline, and then and then he announced his retirement. Uh, from Congress. So he basically announced his retirement after the deadline for anybody else to enter the race. And in New York City, what that means is that this the person to replace you goes to a private meeting held by the county committee. Okay. Now, when you own the county committee, like Joseph Crowley did, the county committee picks you. Right. And that is how Joseph Crowley became New York's 14th congressional district oh representative. Wow, that's and he has never been seriously challenged since. Wow! Because of that, he owns the Queen. Not only is he the the congressman, but he owns the Queens County Democratic Party. <laughs> so every single assemblyman, city council person, county committee chair, they are all handpicked by him to reinforce his power. So it, basically, the reason he's never been challenged is because it's career suicide to for a for a democratic politician in New York to challenge him, you know, because he has complete power over the system. It has to be an outsider. Mm -hmm. It has to be someone that is not deeply vested in the, in the queen's political system. And that's me. That's awesome. That is awesome. And and thank you. Uh, Thank you for, you know, running against him because if he's never been seriously challenged, maybe you know he he just probably doesn't even know how to do this. So there's there's a yeah. you know there's a very good chance, good opportunity there too. Mm-hmm. He's never run a field organizing campaign, so he's technically oh, wow. just as new as this as okay. I am. Wow. So and and here's the thing that makes this race so important as well. I cannot underscore this enough. Mm-hmm. His largest contributors are groups like Blackstone private equity groups, private insurance corporations, um, 
real estate, major real estate development corporations, the same kinds that are making living in major cities like New York City totally unaffordable for right. working families. Right. And when it is people and corporations like this that have a vice grip mm -hmm. over over candidates like Joseph Crowley, he is fourth in line to be the next. He wants to be the next speaker of the House. That is the third most powerful position in American government. And to have private corporations having such a tight grip over the third most powerful individual in the United States of America should be concerning to everybody. Oh, we have is. to yeah. win this race. That is, the, yeah. that is very concerning. And, yeah. and the first thing you said, insurance companies. So that's yeah. another Democrat who's not going to be for single-payer health care. That's, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And we actually had a very major win. So he so Joseph Crowley was uh, he's been opposing um, he's been opposing Medicare for all for the last 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. But the week that we announced our campaign and we announced our campaign on a platform of single payer health care supporting H.R. 676 Medicare for all um, the week we announced he scrambled to switch and co-sponsor on on that legislation. Are you kidding because, me? <laughs> because they are very scared of our campaign because we actually have grassroots support and they've never had to organize the community. Wow. Um, I th let's change gears a little bit. And I'd like to know what uh, what issues are most important to you mm -hmm. and kind of just the policy issue planks of your campaign. Absolutely. Um, well, personally, what I'll say is that an issue that is near and dear to my heart personally is campaign finance reform and getting money out of politics. I'm Good. sure pretty much everything that that I just talked about kind of can tell you why. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that we need publicly financed elections. Mm -hmm. New York City, not the state, but the city itself has adopted a very progressive and so far very successful model. We have six to one matching funds for campaigns in the city. So if you raise, you know, basically that means if someone gives you 20 bucks to run for city council, mm -hmm. the city will multiply that number by six and oh, put wow. it in your cam campaign account. Exactly. So what that does is that it, it, uh, it encourages candidates to actually seek grassroots campaigns because they get uh, grassroots funds, I should say, because they those funds get amplified to the level of big money. Right. And mm. um, so it's totally transformed New York City politics. I think a similar model um, and looking at, at comparable models nationwide is could be very promising for all of us. I also uh, something that I feel very strongly about, too, is that we advocate for a new New Deal. We need to get to a renewable energy economy by 2028, mm -hmm. and that is going to require a massive level of infrastructure investment, rebuilding our roads, our bridges, hiring union workers, and educating people to do the work that needs to be done in this country, and taking this investment and Re again, making a broad-based investment with all this money that we're spending either in tax cuts or in unnecessary conflict by redirecting those funds to infrastructure investment, educational investment, health care for all, we can totally transform uh, the economic structure of this nation to make working class families more open to the opportunities available um, to to some of the most advantaged people. Mm. 
so I'm very I'm very passionate about those issues. Um, we also have many of the similar planks that the Bernie Sanders campaign and the progressive movement overall have championed, uh, you know, uh, public tuition for all public schools being available to all people who want to educate and re-educate themselves. Um, and, you know, as again, healthcare for all $15 minimum wage, et cetera. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Those are all, those are all issues that Austin and I both agree with, uh, 100% across the board. Yeah. Uh, they're just, you know, it, it, it's refreshing to hear someone who is running for uh, a political office say these exact same things that, you know, most of, at least of the people I talk to yeah. uh, have been saying for so long, you know, yeah. it, no politician has been ever been able to say that because it seemed like it was, like you said before, it was like political suicide. So it's really refreshing to hear. Yeah. And these are all, they're, these are pro, to me, you know, my seat and like the, the place that I always come back to is not just economics, but also families. And right. I'm always trying to look for the policies that are going to make families prosper and make it easier for them to prosper. And uh, like these, this is the bedrock foundational policies that we have to champion if our children are going to lead prosperous, happy, fulfilling, satisfying lives. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's great, especially with the uh, $15 minimum wage increase, too. That's something that I wish a lot more politicians would get on board with like yeah. right, right away because that's yeah. something that we're so far – I mean, that's one of the things we're far behind in the world. But that's yeah. one specific thing that most of the industrialized world already has done for yeah. a long mm-hmm. time. So, Yeah, and uh, you know, we a lot, of, a lot of the issues here are with framing, but we spend – we and you know it's it's funny too because people often like to bring up um they like to bring up you know fiscal responsibility which obviously is something that that I find very important but what we often look at with respect to expenditures and income is the things that that we don't see that people don't talk about we spend 6 billion dollars our government the united states us as taxpayers mm-hmm. we spend 6 billion dollars a year on walmart alone because yeah. they do not pay their workers enough and so then we need to then we need to pay for that on the back end in terms of social services and so by actually expanding worker protections and raising minimum wage we lighten the load on the social safety net in addition to allowing more opportunities for for it to be there when things do go wrong right. for working families, and and that ludicrous uh, argument that if you increase the minimum wage, it's going to increase prices of local things. I just read an article that Washington State, which has increased their minimum wage to I'm not I think it's fifteen dollars, fifteen yeah, uh, it, but they've had it for a couple of years now. They haven't seen any rise in prices. If anything, things mm-hmm. have gone down. Because yeah. the economy has prospered. So, I mean, it's a ludicrous argument, but I know people make that argument all the time. Yeah, they do. But, you know, when you actually look at what these major corporations do with with their margins, they don't spend it their, their profits on anything productive. Right. So instead of actually reinvesting in research and development or, you know, there's a there's a long history of how our economy has developed. And back in the in the 60s and 70s, even the 50s, corporations, whenever they had extra money in their margin, what they would do oftentimes is that they would always reinvest 
that margin back into the company, either through expanded benefits for workers, increased pay, more research and development, increasing their product line, etc. Mm-hmm. But in the last 40 years, corporations don't do that anymore. Now, all, all that these corporations have been incentivized to do is to decrease wages into slash benefits to figure out how to make the same products cheaper, aka worse. Mm-hmm. And then when you increase that margin, they just take it into inflating their stock prices because CEO compensation is tied to the price of the stock. Mm. So if you look, for example, at what happened with Marissa Meyer, who's the CEO of Yahoo, a lot of people may say, oh, she drove Yahoo to the ground. She was a terrible CEO. Marissa Meyer was a phenomenal CEO based on her compensation schedule. Marissa Meyer was compensated based on the stock price of Yahoo. So Yahoo has essentially liquidated itself as a company, but in the process, tripled its stock price. So wow. she was making almost a million dollars a week oh, wow. because because she figured out that by doing certain moves and liquidating and devaluing the company, the stock price could triple. And uh, and in their takeover by Verizon, she made a very pretty penny on it because her compensation was not aligned with the quality of the company per se, but the value of the stock price. And people think those things are the same thing and they're not. Mm. And uh, more and more what we're seeing nowadays is that people talk about the Dow Jones and NASDAQ and this and that, that the economy is great because these arbitrary numbers are getting higher. But the average American is not tied into the system. The average American doesn't know and their life isn't affected by the current value of Dow, of the Dow Jones because they, they aren't invested in it. They don't have enough money to really be substantially invested in it. So why are we looking at the Dow Jones as some kind of significant number or metric for the quality of American right. life. Right if now. anything, nowadays it's inverse. Nowadays, the more that a stock price is, that means the less a worker's getting paid. And so, you know, that's not necessarily tied, but in many cases, that can be the case because that's where they're building their margins by shaving every single corner that contributes to a working family. We have to fight for people's abilities and people's rights to live productive and and happy and healthy lives yeah yeah i can't agree anymore that's that's great um let's uh let's change up a little bit um because i know coming from new york i i was born in new york my whole family still lives in new york so i know some of the problems that new york constantly faces and one of them i know is about immigration um mm-hmm. you know uh mayor de blasio has said that new york city is going to remain a sanctuary city despite the ongoing problems and the, the you know of our current president um what are your what are your thoughts on immigration uh the immigration policy uh, and do you think they need to be fixed and if so how yeah um so just some background on our district uh my district is about 50 percent immigrant new oh, american wow. wow and so we have an extremely large um portion of our community that is building their life here in America that has come here that they, many of them have started businesses and they are, are raising families here. And um, I think the thing that we really need to realize and, you know, it's this issue is so emotionally charged on both sides, understandably. And um, many people are very concerned about their way of life and their 
they're concerned that because their way of life is um, is decreasing, you know, the 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 average American worker, their wages have gone down since the 1970s. So I definitely understand people's uh, concerns when it, it comes to um, immigration. But our immigration system was never thoughtfully put together in the first place. And as a result, uh, I think of it, and I often say this, that I think of it as a leaky bucket. And it doesn't matter whether you you dump all the water out of the bucket it doesn't matter if you fill the bucket up with more water, there's still going to be holes in the bottom. Right. And we, we are on both sides of the aisle. This is an issue where I think both people, you know, whether you are on one side of this issue or the other side of this issue, I think we can all agree that, that the issue of that being undocumented in this country is an issue on one side it is not okay to live in the shadows and constantly leave your home wondering if it's the last time you're going to see your children. Right. That is not an acceptable way of life in the United States of America. And, um, and, but we have a system that creates and makes it very easy to be undocumented in this country. It's easier to be undocumented than it is to be documented because uh, many people, the way that our visa rules are set up, it's extremely expensive. It can cost anywhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars to become a United States citizen, in addition to ten, fifteen, twenty years of waiting. I was just speaking with a young woman last week. She has been legally documented. She has been fully documented in this country since the time she was nine years old. She's about twenty five, twenty six now. She still has no path to citizenship. She has been documented this entire time. She has never gone without a visa. She has never, um, she attended school here. She got a degree. She is by all intents and purposes, American. She's been in, she's been an American longer and she's been in, in America longer than she hasn't been in the United States. Yeah. She is culturally American. She speaks English. She's gone to all schools here. But right now she has no path to citizenship. Why? Because of the bureaucratic rules where you need where you need an E2 visa instead of a K5 visa, etc. Like so many names and numbers. And the rule, you know, the rules aren't clearly set. And so when I when I asked her. I asked her, I said, if you could change our immigration system um, in any way, what would it be? And she said, I would love it. I would love for the rule to be that if you are a documented immigrant in the United States of America for five years with no criminal record, then you can start on a path to citizenship. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? I, I like that, actually. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, it's doesn't that sound kind of fair? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's crazy the way that we treat our immigrants here. Right. I mean, and that, and five years is uh, that sounds like that's, I think it's that, a fair amount that's, of time. That's yeah. a that's a long enough time to prove a lot of things in five years. Yeah. So yeah, I think that sounds great. Yeah, and I, you, the thing that I thought was so common sense about it, and I'm very driven by 
by policies that are that sound so common sense that people ask, isn't that how it is? You know, (laughs) (laughs) isn't that how it should be? I really keep my eye and my ears to the ground when I talk to people um, for these really common sense ideas that we really should have had the whole time. And what I thought was so great about um, about this young woman's response And that answer was that so many people think that that's how our immigration system already works. So many people think that the way it works is that if you immigrate here legally on a documented path and that you don't commit any crimes and you lead start leading a productive life for, you know, five, six years that you become that you start on your path to citizenship. Everybody thinks that think thinks that that's how it works. Mm-hmm. It's not how it works, no. but it certainly sounds like that's how it should work. Right. Yeah. So why don't we just conform it to what people's expectations are instead of trying to to do something super out of the box? Why don't we just make the system as common sense as possible? I wonder I wonder too if some of the animosity that's shown towards immigrants stems from the fact that people don't know how the system works. Maybe. So if they think that it's that easy to get citizenship. I really believe I really believe that's the case. Yeah, because yeah. if they think it's that easy, then they can't figure out why these people aren't doing right. it. And, and I, that would create animosity. It's, just, it's yeah. ignorance of how you know, immigration actually works. That's real. I think. I mean, some of it's not. <laughs> right. Some of it's yeah. just pure xenophobia. But I, I bet some of it is just this idea that, well, come on. Right. You know, I've heard that from people, too. They, they have said, like, why, why don't you just become a citizen? Yeah, well, like it's that easy. Because like, my parents are both immigrants from Italy. They mm. both came, mm. yeah. They both came from Italy, and they both have their like permanent visa, so that they're full, right. they're full residents of this country. But it's hard for my mother, who's been in this country since she was like twelve, mm. to become a citizen, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's and that's what a legal residency and all, yeah. and all that. So I can't even imagine what it's like. Yeah, and she came from Western Europe, where it's yeah. much easier to get to get citizenship here. And mm-hmm. that's that's another thing people don't know. It's not the same rules for everybody. No. If you're coming here from the UK, you experience an entirely different set of immigration rules than if you come here from Haiti or the Dominican Republic right, right. or Ecuador. Mm. Well, we also encourage all of our uh, UK listeners to stay in the UK for now <laughs> <laughs> because they have a little little, uh, little hope going on there. Yeah. Um, now, with that last question, there's one other kind of related issue, uh, It's but it's not just toward uh, immigrants, but this country has a very growing problem. That problem is obviously racism. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, you know, the white supremacists are coming out of the woodwork that no one wants to see and every single day you see police brutality toward certain types of people certain uh certain people and there's just this problem of racism do you have an idea of how you would maybe propose something to fix it do you have any ideas of uh something that we could do to stop this problem i think that um when it comes to this issue Mm -hmm. it's not about it's not about taking a stand against hate, actually. I think you have to really advance the goals and the aims of mutual love with people. And I know that sounds like very woo-woo, but, <laughs> um, but it, I think it, it can be, you know, I, I'll, yes, last night I, um, I went to a local iftar 
with um, a, a local Muslim group that invited me to break fast their Ramadan fast with them. Ramadan's happening right now, so mm-hmm. that means that all of our our Muslim brothers and sisters out there they wake up in the morning, they eat before dawn, they don't eat or drink all day until sunset, and it's like you know I'm Catholic. That's very a Lenten practice. You right, know, right. It, it's a you know, the idea of fasting and the idea of, of going through a more contemplative time to deepen your spiritual practice is very common. And uh, and it was um, it was just one of those moments where I'll be completely honest, I wasn't expecting this. But on the way there, because of the tensions um, that have been going on in the country and the world lately, the thought like did cross my mind and saying, what if someone tries to do something at, at this thing, at right. such a peaceful event? Mm-hmm. And, um, and even posting about it on social media, like I had to think of the thought of like, how am I going to react if someone tries to, you know, say something negative or, or untoward about, about just going to an iftar, which is basically dinner time um, with the Muslim community here. And I think that what we really need to do in response is that we really need to make it our business to reach out to our neighbors and actually educate ourselves on each other, you know, and uh, I think doing those things is, is much more important than it may seem because um that was just how I felt yesterday. I can't even imagine the fear that must come with walking around in a hijab every day, right. wondering, you know, when you wear your faith, um, how how you may feel walking into every new environment that you may encounter during a day. Right. And uh, I think that it's it's important for us to to really reach out and educate ourselves um, and partake with other communities. And we also need to redraw a lot. We have to really redraw a lot of battle lines Mm. when it comes to these issues. Mm -hmm. For example, with criminal justice reform, um, you know, I, so I'm, I happen to be Latina. My family's Puerto Rican and um, I lived in the Bronx during the very intense era of stop and frisk in New York City. And um, when we and we also have Rikers prison is in my district. And this thing is a living, breathing human rights violation. And uh, New York City announced that they were going to shut it down on a 10 year plan. But um, I don't know if 10 years is good enough. This thing is really are we really going to accept the what what we know happens at Rikers Island for another 10 years. And uh, and when I talk about redrawing the battle lines, it's that standing up for for basic human rights, the basic protections of due process is not a stand against the the men and women in law enforcement. In fact, we're all on the same side because we're all here in the pursuit of justice. And our penal system does not meet the standard of justice. Mm -hmm. And when we're all working on that same goal, we need to call out these violations when they happen. And I also so 
I may come from a community of color. I have cousins that have been in the penal system, but I also have families that are New York, that are NYPD. I'm the goddaughter of an Irish pol police officer. Mm -hmm. I, I really understand that these issues, at the end of the day, a lot of these battle lines and a lot of these, um, yeah, a lot of these lines are artificial. You know, when it is possible to fight to make sure that a police officer's pension isn't compromised by a corporate entity and fight for for due process for people of color in this country. Like they aren't opposite sides of the coin. And we really need to call out people that think that saying something like black lives matter mm -hmm. means that some other lives don't matter. Right. We need to really call out those false equivalencies. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, but I, I, I really appreciate uh, all everything. Yeah. <laughs> like it's hard for me to put into words. Uh, like I said before, it's very refreshing to hear uh, somebody who is running for Congress with these views that uh, obviously cares for people, not yeah. not corporations. It's yeah. it's extremely it's extremely great, um, and very we're very thankful uh, for all of that. Um, we want to thank you for coming on the show, but before we end the interview, uh, plug everything that you can, uh, tell, tell everybody where they can go to donate, where they can find sure. out more information and all of that good stuff. Of course. Of course. So, um, Ocasio 2018, that is going to be everything. Ocasio 2018.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ocasio 2018. Please donate to our campaign. We are a small grassroots, um, all small money campaign. And our average donation, depending on the week, can go anywhere between eight bucks to 12 bucks. Mm. And it is funding our entire effort. It's working. It is really working. But what it really takes is for all of us to look at ourselves and saying, what can I do? Can I knock on a door? Can I give five bucks? Can I can I call up my friend? Can I can I post this on Facebook? Can I can I retweet this? Um, it takes all of us. And so follow us, donate our first canvassing event. I don't know what you know when you guys are posting this, but our first canvassing event is this Saturday. Um, and you can get more information on that on social media at Ocasio 2018. But follow us and uh, support brand new Congress and justice Democrats because it, it is likely that they may be fielding a brand new Congress congressional candidate in your state as well. We mm. actually just launched our first Pennsylvania candidate um, this, this Monday. Oh, nice. Uh, last name was Perry. Yep. Paul yeah, Perry. Yeah, yeah. Paul Perry. Yeah. I, as soon as I saw that, I think he, as soon as it got launched, I followed him on Twitter. Uh, right. yeah. it's, it's exciting because we, we're obviously from Pennsylvania, so yeah. it's exciting to see someone even closer. Uh, it just gives us a little bit of extra hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this episode will actually get posted on Friday. So for anybody right. who is listening, it's uh, the event's tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. Um, the and, tomorrow doesn't matter if you haven't had any experience before. We'll we'll give you a buddy, but you can bring a buddy too, and we'll train you. We'll give you coffee and donuts and get you excited and ready to go. That's awesome. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I, I wish we were a little closer. I think that that would be something that we'd both go to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we definitely would love to have you come back on. Um, you know, as your campaign progresses. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Um, like. 
we'll be back uh, in just a short little break. Uh, when we do come back, we will, um, you know, continue on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank really you sure. guys so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Thank, no you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hello, my children. Are you a fan of the show? Do you wish you could donate to the show? Well, fear not. Just visit www.patreon.com forward slash dumb all over to donate today. Yes. You will receive very special rewards for donating. Thank you so much. And remember, Alt-Right Jesus loves us all. Mm-hmm. all right welcome back to dumb all over um we're about to start our new segment but before we do come on i I was waiting i saw him reaching (laughs) we got a new beer yes and when i say new beer i mean austin's never even heard of this company until today correct that is correct they are called roy pitts uh and this uh particular beer is called gobbler lager Gobbler Lager. Uh, there's the emblem, the logo for you YouTubers. And this one's actually kind of worth looking at because it doesn't look like a stout. <laughs> yeah, it's a lager. It's like a traditional looks, lager. Yeah, it looks like Yingling. It smells a lot like Yingling, too. <clears throat> it is a I Pennsylvania can, beer. Yeah. Uh, in Chambersburg. Let's, let's hope it's better than Yingling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. It is 5.5% ABV, so uh, I don't know. I have some expectations, but nothing really crazy. All right, here we go. Cheers. Mm. It's nice. Yeah. It's not great. It's better than Yingling. Yeah, I would yeah. pick this over Yingling. Yeah. I might even pick it over Sam Adams, actually. Yeah, it's 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 pretty smooth actually. Yeah. It's not that bad. But it's not earth shattering either. No, because it's kind of it's it's bland. It's beer. Yeah. It's like what you think of as beer. Yeah. I mean it has a little more flavor than that. I didn't get the like the um, syrupy sweetness of right. maple like. Yeah, yeah. But then there's that bitterness that kills it right after. Yeah. It's 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 okay. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, that's, you know, exactly that. It's yeah. it's okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, Austin. I'd say if you are absolutely, you know, dead set on getting mm-hmm. a lager. Yeah. And you have to pick one. No, I wouldn't even say that. It's just yeah. No, I if well, if it's an option, try it. Yeah. Because it's a better lager. Yeah. But it does have a resemblance to me at least of like a gingling. Yeah, and it's yeah. Which is exactly yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. If you're gonna have a beer, have the uh, coffee stat that we had before. You see, much, you, much you see behind Austin, any of those? <laughs> yeah, sure. Those, those, those. Yep. Even that one. Yeah, even that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah hey, Austin. That was that Breaking Bad one. Austin. What? Guess what time it is? <sighs> I was trying to delay it with all I my know talking. You Son it's of a bitch! It's time. <laughs> Uh, and to start off Twitter time, we have our poll of the week. Last week's poll, which issue is most important to you? The environment, healthcare, ISIS, or other? Austin, I think I know your answer to this. Uh-huh. Your, what's your uh, most important issue? Um, I'm going to have to say healthcare. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was the winner. Ah. So I'm not even going to ask you what you thought won. Yeah. Because- Obviously, because uh, you just- me. Well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But uh, I, I felt I knew that was going to win. I was actually considering putting it other to see if it would still win. Mm. 
But uh, I just had a feeling healthcare because that seems to be what's on people's mind the most. Yep. Uh, but surprisingly to me, ISIS was in last place. Oh, yeah? Which I thought was a little bit interesting. That actually doesn't surprise me that much. Really? Yeah. I thought it, it was on the minds of people more than, especially with all the terror attacks that have been happening, I thought. But yeah, I but even if, I mean, if you just look at it as an overall picture, more people are dying from bad healthcare, more people are dying from environmental problems. <laughs> right, right. Than ISIS. Um, ISIS is a threat, but it's uh, I think it pales in comparison to some, especially climate change and our specifically here in America our poor healthcare right. system. Some of the uh, others were um, stricter gun laws. Um, others said uh, no government corruption. Yep, that that's okay. that's a big issue. So things like that. Uh, but healthcare was. By far the most, with I believe it's sixty three percent. So it won, it won bigly. Uh, we have a couple questions this week, and okay. then we also have a little video clip that we're going to play. Oh, yeah. uh, so let's start off with the questions. I think that go for it. All right. So our first question is from Propaganda, who was a guest on our last week's episode. Yeah, I want to thank him again. Yeah. It was a really good segment. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. of fun. I, I, listening back to it, I was like, I, it was a very informative, like forty minutes or whatever it turned out to be. It was a yep. lot of fun. Yep. His question for the week is, do you think that a state-based living wage determined by an independent body is better is a better goal than a national minimum wage? That's a really interesting question. I have to say that um, when you use the words determined by an independent body, in that case, maybe a state one would be better. Mm-hmm. But I just think that... I just don't think it's possible in America with the uh, state governments being as partisan and radical as a lot of them are. I don't think that body would ever be independent. Mm-hmm. So I think the best path forward for our country is to get a national one. But that does that also creates its own problems. And um, because with an, I mean, if it's a federal regulation, it could be changed much quicker than you know a bunch of states. So. They each present their problem, but I actually think a national one would help more people, and we'd probably be able to achieve it quicker with less, you know, tomfoolery for my 1890s word of the day. That is a, yeah. (laughs) That has not been used in a long time. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, kudos for using that. Um, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I I, I do believe the same exact thing. I, I just don't think that if there's a, if there's a state that's controlled by Republicans, how which is most of them right now <laughs> right yeah how is that uh independent body going to be formed it's got to be formed by somebody yeah whether or not it's directly from the governor or whatever it is it's got to be formed by somebody but if the state is compl- i mean basically usually when republicans try to have an independent thing yeah. it's not independent no yeah and you know what and to point blame even the democrats the same way it oh yeah if you're going to yeah. go independent you got to go full on independent yeah. and i just i'm with you on the fact that i don't believe that there can be an independent body formed. Yeah. But that that was still a great question. Yeah. So absolutely. thank you very much. Um, our next question comes from Wartrout. Wartrout89 is his Twitter mm. handle. The yeah. question is, um, what inspired you to become involved with politics? Now, Austin, for your answers, I take this one of two ways. Uh-huh. What started your interest in politics or what started the podcast? Because this is the first time that we've well, both- Let's answer both. Okay, because this is also the first time that we've be- both been involved with politics to the point where we're influenced people. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> In one way or another, yeah. negatively yeah. or positively. So answer the first part first. What got yeah. you into politics originally as a person? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I've I've been interested in politics for a long, long time, and I think that my my prime motivator has always been the idea that you want to leave the world a better place than you found it. Right. And so, I mean, it's been for me personally, it's been a long journey to try to find the right way in which to do that. You've had an interesting journey. Yeah. But I think that was the ultimate goal from the beginning is try to leave the world a better place than you found it. And um, I remember I first got interested, like really interested in politics around, probably around 2008, actually. And um, I think just because it was such a big election and the lead up to that election, although I'm ashamed to say that I wasn't on the right side of history. Mm. Well, no, I think because actually I was, uh, I wasn't vocal, but I actually was an Obama supporter back then. Same. Which people will probably say, really? You were that far right? And, I was, and, <laughs> and to be honest, I was actually further right than you're thinking. <laughs> At that time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like uh, the time I fancied myself. Um, oh, you were still in the Ron Paul stage, weren't you? Actually, that was a little bit before that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was actually more of a like traditional conservative, <laughs> but uh, but his uh, Obama's message just seemed to be better than McCain, so I thought, eh. Uh, yeah? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you have to imagine from my point of view at the time. I'm trying yeah, to. I it's know, hard. it's difficult. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> and then 2012 rolled around, yeah, and, um, and Ron Paul ran. And before that, I'd been getting into... Um, I'd read some stuff by Ayn Rand, and it was it was not a good time. <laughs> it was not a good time in my life. Is that the? Didn't you take that uh, on on the bus rides when we were on golf team together? I guess when I Ayn remember, Rand? I I don't think so. No, no, because that was that was two thousand nine. Oh yeah, that was before. No, I think at the time, I, reading on our trips, I just remember. Michael Crichton. I yeah, remember Michael and Crichton. some other literature. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, mm. but um, yeah, I fancied myself a libertarian for a while until. I realized how much nonsense that was. <laughs> I mean, it takes a while because they they put forth an argument that allows you to be selfish and um, righteous at the same time. It's right. very powerful for somebody, you know, in their late teens who is very self-involved. Right. It's it's just the it's the ideology, you know, ideological perfect storm. But the problem with that ideology is you always had to do mental gymnastics to make it work. And that's when I realized, like, eventually my mind was like, you need to stop doing this because you have to contort logic in such a way for it to work. And then when you have people point out, you know, so many obvious things about how other places in the world do things this way, and it mm-hmm. is totally the opposite of anything a libertarian has ever right. proposed. Right, right. Except for maybe drug policy. Yeah. Because a couple countries have enforced that free drugs for all. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, and uh, that's that's where like Holland. the like the Venn diagram of democratic socialists and and libertarians overlap is right. the, in their drug policy. Right, right. And, but that's the only place, to be honest. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And so, and I started listening to more and more of that, and I uh, started reading Noam Chomsky, and um, and so it began. And so it began, yeah. And then it kind of came to a head when Bernie ran. Yeah, and that was when. Like, it sounds crazy, but that's when I was finally felt comfortable like calling myself a liberal. It's funny, too, because yeah. I remember the first time that I brought up Bernie Sanders to you, I was kind of afraid how you were going to react. <laughs> yeah. I, said to, I said to Austin, I was like, hey, have you ever heard of Bernie Sanders? And knowing he has, I know Austin. I yeah. know he had. And he's like, yeah, I love him. And I was <laughs> like, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> like, wait. I know. Because it was just a big turn to me, at least. But I, I see the progression yeah. now. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, a lot of it had to do with leaving here and going to college Go, in yeah, Boston. Yeah, going to Boston. Yeah. That, that'll help. I know they say there was an article about why people who move to the cities are, become more liberal. Mm. And all of it's true because you are forced to confront other people. And where we live, you're not. So it's hard to, like when people talk about poverty and, you know, and right. how programs can help. When you live here, it's hard to see it. So it's easy for somebody to convince people that it's just people taking your money and being lazy. But when you see what's happening in the cities and you're confronted by it daily and you realize, oh, no, now these programs really do help people. Right. And people need this kind of help and that when people work together, it actually is a good thing. <laughs> you know, and you see how well public transportation works and blah, blah, blah. It helps. You know. it, yeah. helps uh, yeah. it helps change. And it definitely does change your mind. Yeah. And there was a big – I think the big turning point was when – in the summer before senior year, so the summer before, I guess it was the summer of 2008. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I went to Europe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You went to, was that the German trip? Well, I went to France, Germany, yeah. um, Austria. <laughs> That'll help. And Sweden, or in, um, <laughs> you get Switzerland. See, you can yeah. see the rest of the world. Yeah, well, yeah, and you start talking to people who live there, right. and you start understanding how it works where they live. And you realize, yeah, that system is much better than right. ours. Yeah. yeah. And then I went to college with a lot of people from Canada. And liberals in general. Yeah, well, Boston. it was Boston. Yeah. And, and it was it's a, a music a school. A music school in Boston. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was very liberal. And um, and they just made good arguments. Yeah. Like, like, I feel like the same thing wouldn't have happened had I been forced to go to a Bible school. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think they would have convinced me because their arguments are so poor. Yeah. With it's these, easy to atta- it's easy to uh, find flaws in those arguments. Yeah. With these, they just made so much sense. It's right. like, all right, I need to stop making myself fight them. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's I think. But and and as far as the podcast goes, it was uh, Trump. Oh, that for was, sure. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. For myself, yeah. two thousand was when I got into politics. Okay, it was the first time my dad bought me a map. Uh, of the United States, and it had each state in a cutout form in red or blue. And as I'm watching, it was for kids, and I still have it. I actually framed it because it, it was the day that kind of changed my life. And as the states were going red or blue, I was finding the puzzle piece and putting it in. Yeah. And that was kind of the very beginning of my of my political awareness, I guess yeah. you can say. Um, and it seems like yours is much more of a straight line. Yeah, very yeah. boring compared to yours. Yeah. I've been a very left-wing liberal since I was a little kid, yeah. since I could remember. I've always been uh, liberal, always had the same ideals, pro-gay marriage, yeah. pro-abortion. I remember having arguments with my friends when I was 11 about yeah. pro being pro-choice. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because I actually I was an atheist before I was a liberal. And I, wa- I, I was... I don't think I really was, but yeah. I I was non-religious yeah. my entire life. But it must be somewhat comforting to know that somebody who's gone through the entire spectrum ended up here. Yeah, it it, it <laughs> yeah. really is because, like in in theory, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah, you kind of had to. I had to work my way. Yeah, you had yeah. to work for it, you know. And it was work. Like it wasn't like like it's just oh I'll go to the next you know argument. I mean we yeah. I had real disagreements and real. So did I. Like. Conversations that lasted all night mm-hmm. with people that got me to where I am. <laughs> like it I, took forever. I have, I have lost so many friends. <laughs> yeah, 
because of politics. I can't nah. even keep track of the amount of people that don't talk to me anymore because of politics. But I have to say, and like, I'm okay I, with that. I really, I really appreciate all the people who didn't give up, like took the time to be patient enough to explain their point of view to me rather than just dismiss Thank everything. you, people. Yeah, because cause you can change that guy. It's proof that you can change somebody's mind. Yeah. With a, like, somebody who's, you know, able to listen because I felt like, you know, for somebody who was conservative, right. I also never, like I would never not take their point of view into consideration, uh, you know, a liberal's point of view because I wanted to listen to hear what they had to say. And it was interesting to see if I could defend my point of view. And that's when it changed, when right. I had to work so hard to defend it. It's like, well, <laughs> obviously it's not right then. Right. <laughs> yeah. And which is why sometimes now I feel a little more dismissive of the conservatives because I was like, I've been there. Right, right. And it's just like, grow up already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's just, you know, it doesn't stand, none of these stand up to uh, scrutiny, these arguments. Well, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you're here and not arguing with me I on know. these cases. <laughs> yeah. um, we have one more uh, Twitter thing. It's not, and I say thing because it's not a question; it's a comment. Okay. Yeah, um, it's from our new friends, and I can safely say this. Oh yeah, from uh, it's a new po- it's a podcast called Two Skeptical Chaps. They're a UK uh, podcast. I started listening to them earlier this week so it's relatively new to me but i'm hooked on their podcast so there's my plug for them their comment and this is dan dan who will be on our show next week by the way said our podcast is better (laughs) and you know what dan you're right (laughs) but he said he looks forward to hearing that so Fucking, you heard it. Now, to end this segment, uh, Austin has a little uh, clip. Yeah. So pretty much, from what I understand, uh, when you're part of some sort of community... Well, you know what, Austin? You explain. You you know more about these kind of things than I do. Okay, yeah. We are... um we consider ourselves part of kind of two uh, podcast communities, and one of them is obviously the progressive podcast community, but we also feel like we are on the maybe the outer edge of the atheist podcast community, yeah. which is a fairly big community, and they're kind of tightly knit. Right. Like, it seems like a lot of them... We're working our way in there, though. Yeah. Yeah, well, ours our show is much more explicitly political, political than yeah. a lot of theirs. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, Tom reached out to us, uh, Tom the Atheist, with this... Not me, Tom. No, other, not another, that Another Tom. Tom who's an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tom wouldn't have had to reach out because he's right here. Right. <laughs> But they're um, they're having an atheist gathering, and he sent us something to play to inform oh, you guys I, about it. I don't so. like before you start. I don't like that. What an atheist gathering? Oh, why? What's wrong with that? I don't know. It sounds very religious. <laughs> no, I mean they're getting together. It's a gathering. So. I don't know. I'm sorry. Or a conference, whatever. Conference is better. That sounds okay. more atheist. We'll let him explain what it okay. is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hi guys, this is Tom, your friendly neighborhood atheist. I want to tell all your listeners about the Gateway to Reason conference being held in St. Louis, July 28th through the 30th. I also want to introduce them to the 27 scheduled speakers and entertainers, plus some of the people like me and Thomas Westbrook of Holy Kool-Aid who will be attending. So I'm doing a series of interviews called Getting Ready for Gateway. They can just search YouTube for Getting Ready for Gateway and I will be posting new interviews every day. The conference is only $50 for this three-day event and is going to be a ton of fun hanging out with people like Matt Dillahunty, Aaron Raw, and Seth Andrews, and even David Smalley if you know about that other podcast. I hope they check them out. 
They can get the full details on the conference at gatewaytoreason.com. Thanks, and it's Getting Ready for Gateway on YouTube. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah, anyway, so it's the Gateway to Reason conference. Conference? Yeah. He said conference. Okay, sorry. He said conference, yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Atheist church. (laughs) (laughs) The church of atheism. Boy, they're going to have, gonna have some good speakers, though. Yeah, that would actually sound... For yeah. 50 bucks for a three-day... Yeah. He said, he said that's three because days? you have to go to St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, but still, that's really cool. Uh, so, and hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> if you want, and you want to support, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash yeah. dumballoverpod. Yeah. And is it Dumb All Over Pod or Dumb All Over? Dumb All Over. Dumb All Over. Yeah. And you can donate, and then maybe we can actually... You know, go to these kind of things, yeah. which would be really cool. Yeah. But anyway, it sounds awesome. So it does. So if you guys want to go, um, I'll put all the details in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gateway um, to Reason. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, I like Even that. if David Smalley's going to be there. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just kidding. I, mean, I, I actually used to listen to Dogma Debate a lot. Did you? Yeah. And um, it's been hard to keep up with every single podcast yeah. recently since we started ours. Yeah, and be- this hashtag Potter Family. Oh, yeah. I-, I had to contact the person who created this because it's like it, it has allowed us to um, talk to podcasts like like Ergo Show. You know, like we would have never found him without Potter Family. So, like, it- it's been interesting, but it's like Austin said, it's really difficult. Yeah. I, I want to listen to, like, so many podcasts every week, and I just don't have time to. And I've been trying to... Um keep up with smaller ones on purpose right same yeah and um i mean there's a couple big podcasts that i still you like the uh, minority report or majority report yeah right? majority report yeah. i i never miss the majority report or uh cognitive dissonance right. or um god awful movies ah that's yeah, right that's, that's the right. other one and scathing atheist actually i started listening hmm. to that there you go because it's the same guys from god awful movies oh well, there you go so it's the same thing yeah All right, that's it. That's it. That's it. Now, yeah. listen, I know some of you are going to be a little bit disappointed that you did not hear the Scary Religious Nut Job segment. Yeah. Listen, we had two very good interviews, so yeah. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I think we'll do two next week. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can do two. Yeah, yeah. we can do two. Yeah. All right, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, to make it up to you. Yeah. Um. Maybe one will have a special guest. He'll come back and visit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Or yeah. maybe not. <laughs> Got to put that in there. Yeah. Uh, next week, we are going to be joined by uh, a man named Dan, yeah. who is one of the hosts of Two Skeptical Chaps. Uh, I'm very excited to have him on. Uh, he's re- the whole, Both of them are really funny. Eventually, both are going to come onto the show. But uh, one is on uh, away for a couple weeks, so Dan's going to be on. So look forward to that. That's for sure. Um, Austin. Do you have any closing thoughts? My closing thoughts are we covered a lot of shit today. <laughs> we did. Yeah. We did. And um, I think both guests had really, really amazing things to say. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I don't know. I think that's that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't really add too much to that. Um, and um, I believe we have a big announcement that Tom's going to make. We do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Although, even after recording today's, it was a little, <laughs> a little strange. We, Austin, myself, 
and Austin's sister Lexi. Yeah. Who, who believe me, I know her name. <laughs> and if you and if you don't understand, you're gonna learn. You'll get it. You'll get it eventually. Um, we are all creating a podcast together mm-hmm. called Podern History X. Yep. Um, it's it's raw. It's just in the starting stages. Uh, but you can go on Twitter, and you can follow us at Podern History X. Yeah. Simple as that. Yep. Um. Pretty much what it is. It's a much shorter podcast, <laughs> yes. so do not worry. It's yeah. not two hours long. Yeah, you don't. You won't have four hours of no. us a week. <laughs> a half hour to forty-five minutes, probably the most. Yeah. And we have, believe me, we've actually recorded a couple episodes, and we've yeah. done it. Yeah, we've managed to somehow do it. Yeah. Um, it, we find a weird topic in history, and I, I tell the story. Yeah. Austin and Lexi react to it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds simple, but we're drinking while we do it, of course, because that's us. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And the stories are really interesting. They are, yeah. Um, and we make sure we have an interesting story every single week. So yep. definitely take a look for that. It'll be coming out. Our The first episode will be released July 5th. Yeah, and there'll actually be three released at the same time. There you go. Like yeah. a little bundle package yep. for you. But remember, the release date for that is going to be July 5th. July 5th, So yep. make sure you catch that. Uh, I don't know what outlets they're going to be on. Well, we'll keep you updated. Well, Lexi is actually going to be in charge of the yeah. social medias yeah. for uh, Podern History X, not yep. myself or Austin. Yep. So um, sh- whatever she wants to do, she's smart. She'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but it's actually been pretty – it's really fun. It uh, is a lot of fun. Even yeah. this episode that we just recorded today was fucking out of control, yeah. <laughs> but it was so much fun. Yeah. So I'm hoping that uh, the reaction to that is going to be well. And it gives you a break because it's not political. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a break from politics. We, we, tr- we definitely try. Yeah. Austin and I slip sometimes, yeah. But it most then we likely get be cut instantly out. reminded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but look forward to that. July fifth is going to be 5th. the release date for the first three episodes. Yep. All right. Yep. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Pod. You can find us on Block Talk Radio, also at Pod. Uh, do a YouTube search for Dumbleover Podcast. And you can find us there. Subscribe for video content for the video version of the show. Yeah. Uh, you could also donate and support us on Patreon at patreon.com. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Slash Dumble Over. Uh, yeah, help us out if you like. Uh, we have a lot of rewards for you. You don't just have to donate for free. You can. Yep. You will get stuff for it. Uh, we, we're looking forward to building that. So yep. make sure you... Uh, and that same week, the same week that uh, our Potter and History X podcast mm-hmm. comes out, we will also give you... A sneak peek episode of our um, right wing nut job theater Ooh, episodes. There yeah, you go. there you go. So next week we'll announce yeah. what movie we're gonna watch. Okay, and then um, <laughs> and then Tom's gonna have to watch. It. I'm gonna have a little <laughs> little heart attack. Yeah. Um, also for YouTube, um, when we get to the 25th episode, which is only three episodes away, yeah, I've been working on a compilation video of our funniest moments, and yep. the only way you're going to see that is if you go on to uh, go on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Yep. So if you want to check that out, it, I, I can promise we're not the funniest people in the world, but the compilation video is working out really funny because <laughs> we're we're stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. You got anything else, Austin? No, I'm good now. All yeah. right. Uh, as always, we will see you next week yep. with another episode of All Over. All right, see ya. Have a good week.
Have you ever wondered what a shelf sounds like? How about a lamp? Well, it might just be louder and better than you think. The new Wi-Fi enabled Symphonix speaker range from IKEA and Sonos is here. So now you can find out for yourself. Shop in store or at ikea.co.uk and fill your home with feeling. IKEA, the wonderful everyday. At the bank of Antandek, mortgages are on the menu. I was in the chippy last night and it hit me. Go on. We should give all our new mortgage customers a thousand pounds of spuds. Potatoes. Yeah, jackets, roasties, dolphin was. I mean, what's not to love? Hey, yeah, we could call it Mashback. Genius. Meanwhile, at Santander, they're giving their customers a thousand pounds cashback on selected first-time buyer mortgages. See what's possible at Santander. Lending subject to status and criteria. Cashback given on completion and repayable if mortgage closed within two years. Offer can be withdrawn. Your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage.